Hello. We are so glad that you could join us today. Our prayer is that as you listen to the word, you would take this time to draw nearer to God as an individual and as a family. God loves you so so much, and his desire is for you to get closer to him in this season through worship, through dwelling in his word and prayer. So once again we are having a little bit of a setback because of the kind of indiscriminate shutdowns. We have no real plan, no real direction as to what we're doing with these shutdowns. And uh, there seems to be uh, a little confusion around that. But the church will continue to meet online and will continue to meet as soon as possible uh, in a public forum because the Bible teaches us that we are to gather together we need each other, and we need each other more today than we've ever needed each other. And so as we begin our service this morning, I want you to understand that it is my desire to reach into your hearts, to reach into your homes, to reach into your life, and to help us to take the next steps. We live in a very, very perilous time. And so today's message is something that I've wrestled with for some time. I've been studying and... Uh, I, I hope you can hear my heart as a pastor. I hope you can hear my heart as someone who is walking with you. We're wrestling together in these times that uh, we've never seen before. You see, we are seeing biblical prophecy being fulfilled before our very eyes. My question is this. Is there a genocide being ushered into the earth through this season that we're in. And as we look at the scriptures unfolding in the book of Revelation, I think it's important for us to understand that there are certain truths that can only be understood in real time. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the context of the book of Revelation chapter 6, you and I today are going to dissect the verses from the framework expressed in those texts. We want to take a careful look at the interesting verses uh, that are found there. And we want to try to do so without the previous filters from some of our past understandings. My hope today is to investigate the scriptures in a very systematic, systematic way, and uh, that this morning, that we can tie them to the current issues that we're facing in the world. Uh, and when we do that, what I have in mind is that we will see the Word of God may or may not be speaking to the situations we find ourselves in this morning. So, with, with this in mind, we have to be very careful not to jump to conclusions, but to allow the Word of God to speak on its own. You see, we have to understand that there are certain truths that can only be experienced or seen in the space and time context. They can only be unlocked in the course of a prophetic time in answer to a spiritual or a scriptural timetable. Now, God has given you and I as believers, and, and those of us who study the Bible, uh, he's given us this ability to read, to ask questions, to discern, to debate the scriptures. In fact, he commands us to seek him in the scriptures. He commands us to be like those Bereans who didn't just hear the word of God, but they went and they studied to see if these things be true in 
the scriptures. God wants us to seek answers. God wants us to study the scriptures. He even warns us. He says, study to show yourselves approved. Workmen that need not be ashamed, but rightly dividing the word of truth. So today, that's my heart. My heart is not to prescribe. My heart is not to tell you what the scriptures are saying, but to create discourse and to create dialogue and to help us to look and see. Looking at the opening verses in Revelation chapter 6, uh, it's been brought to my attention through reading, through studying, and then through a number of Bible scholars that I've been talking to and uh, studying, that we may have come to a point in history, that we may have come to a point in time and space and prophetic reality that may be the beginning of the fulfillment of the breaking of the seals of the book of Revelation. Now, I know that's a big statement, and so please take it in stride with me this morning. Take it with a grain of salt. But as we explore this hypothesis, I'm asking you, with me, to look at the scriptures and contemplate with me whether we could be entering the time of the opening of the seals. Now, the reason I'm tackling this subject is uh, in this manner, is because all of us must admit that something has transpired in the earth on a level that is biblical in scope and in proportion over the past year to 18 months. This coronavirus, the shutdown of the whole world, the uh, expropriation of people's rights, the uh, enforcement of some of the things that we've seen enforced, the taking away of freedoms, the shutting down of businesses, the, uh, the, the, the scope of this, we have never seen in the history of mankind. I think it's also safe to say that the world that you and I know, or as we know it, will never return to what we knew as normal again. If what we see transpiring is real, we might be seeing something being released on the earth that could usher in unprecedented heartache, death, and destruction on a scale that the earth may have not seen for a very, very long time, or possibly even since the days of Noah. So, we are warned as believers that we are not to be unaware of the times that we're living in. And we are warned that the end of times would be very perilous in nature. In fact, 2 Timothy 3.1 says, Know this, that in the last days, perilous times shall come. As Christians, we've been called to endure hardship. We've been called to fight the good fight of faith. We've, been called, we've all been called to endure to the end. Mark 13.13, 13, Jesus said this, And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that shall endure to the end the same shall be saved. You see, we have to understand something, and, and I, I want to be real clear when I tackle this topic, but be, before I do, uh, we, we need to understand that the world itself, the whole world, the Bible says, lies in darkness. Now, if the world is in darkness, what is the job of Christians? What is the job of the church? Jesus came to take men out of darkness and bring us into the light. The gospel that we preach is the gospel of being translated from the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, into the kingdom of his dear son. 
Now, the church has gotten confused a little bit. I understand that. In the fact that sometimes as the church, we have thought that somehow we're supposed to make the world a better place. The truth be known, the world will never be a great place. The world has a father. The father of this world is the devil. The devil, the whole world is controlled by him, the prince of the power of the air. And he holds the world in darkness. So what Jesus did, he came into a dark world. He delivered as many as would be saved out of darkness into light. Christians are not here to change the world. We're here to live in this world. We're in the world. We're not of it. And to fellowship one with another. Those of us that desire to walk in the light, we have fellowship with each other. We're not here to try to convince each other that, uh, of what is right and wrong, but to can be convinced that the Word of God itself is light and life. And so our love and the church is the gathering of God's people. Churches are not organizations. Now, we have organizations. We denominate or we, uh, we kind of gather around beliefs and fellowships and community together. But real Christianity is those of us that desire to walk in the light. So, to be clear today, to be clear about the topic that I'm talking about, I'm not designed to tackle this topic just to create some kind of sensationalism. Nor do I wish to project this idea as a means of causing people to become fearful. I do believe that we should approach this text with a holy curiosity, a sober regard, and we must ask ourselves, what is this text saying? I'm asking each believer, each of you, and myself, to prayerfully discern if any or all of what we're looking at could possibly be true. The fact is that if it is true, we could very well be entering into what the prophets described as the beginning of the time of the Great Tribulation. This would also mean that we as the body of Christ are part of observing the seals opening and that would mean that we would participate in the tribulation. Now, I know this may fly in the face of some of you, especially that are very sure of a pre-tribulation rapture of the church. And again, I'm not here to contend with that position, but to simply open our hearts to a dialogue and a study of the scriptures. Now, we must look at scripture and prepare ourselves for any eventuality. Understanding that God doesn't hide truth from us. In fact, he wants us to be aware that he, of what he is doing in the earth. And he desires to reveal truth to us. You know, the Bible says that he does, there's a passage of scripture that says that he doesn't hide his truths from us, but he hides them for us. And, and, and I think that's what we're looking at today is that maybe with the help of the Holy Spirit, a little bit of illumination, God will help us today. So this morning, as we delve into the scriptures, it's my desire to create a discussion about what we must do as God's people to get ourselves up to speed on the events that might be unfolding before us so that we can understand, navigate, and endure the night that might be approaching. Now, before we jump into our text in the book of Revelation, I think it's important for me to try and give a little bit of context regarding the sealed scrolls. The story of the 
prophetic insight given to Daniel in the book of Daniel from the Old Testament sets the stage for the end of the world and the opening of the seals of the great judgment. Uh, I studied the book of Daniel for quite some time and in great detail with us a few years ago. And uh, I was compelled to do that. And there was so much truth in there. But uh, jumping to the very end of the book of Daniel, there's a passage of scripture in Daniel 12, chapter 12. And uh, I think it speaks to what we're talking about today. It says, and at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time, same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Now let me stop there for just a minute, because that is really a very powerful and very symbolic verse for you and I. First of all, it says that Daniel, shut up the book. He the, the angel tells Daniel, seal this book even to the time of the end. Then he goes on and he explains what that time of the end would look like. And boy, if we've ever seen the time of the end, uh, if, if it's not now, I don't know how much closer we can get to it. Because it says that the time of the end would be signified by many running to and fro. Never before have we seen people running to and fro like we do today. Travel is unbelievable, and knowledge being increased. Now, our whole generation has been earmarked the information generation, or we are living in what is known as the information age. Never before have we had such access to so much, so quickly, so powerfully, and so uh, on so many fronts. It's so difficult now. Information is everywhere, and it's disinformation, misinformation, lies, propaganda. There is all kinds of information. The Bible says that there is no voice that is without significance. And here we are today uh, having to try to discern these things. There are agendas being driven by those who uh, are planning darkness, and there are those that are wrestling with this. And there's some of us that are trying to be honest and look at this and say, can we talk about this? Can we debate this? Can we, can we slow down a little bit? But the information age seems to just bombard and bombard. Listen to what the Bible goes on to say here in Daniel. It says, and then I, Daniel, looked and behold, there stood other two, the one on the, other, on the one side of the bank of the river and the other on the other side of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which is upon the waters of the water, or the waters of the river. How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, and when he held up his right hand and his, and his left hand unto heaven, and he sware by him that liveth forever and ever, it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard... 
Daniel says, but I understood not. Then I said, O Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up. They're sealed until the time of the end. The time of the end. Let me just stop again for a minute. <clears throat> you see, we're being allowed through the scriptures, and I think even today, a glimpse of the future. Here we see a glimpse of the future from the vantage point of the prophet Daniel. But all we know is that no one can look at the words because they're closed up. They're sealed until the time of the end. My question, and what we'll be looking at today, is really very simple. Could we be seeing the end and the opening of these sealed books? Could we be partaking in the real-time fulfillment of the scriptures? And do we even dare ask that question? Look, Daniel goes on to say this. He says, many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. I love the fact that the scripture is declaring to us that the wicked people will not understand what's going on, but the wise shall understand. You see, the thing about knowledge, understanding, and wisdom that we know from the scripture is that it has to be sought after. If you and I have stopped seeking after knowledge, if we stop seeking after understanding, if we stop looking for wisdom, we simply become another non-thinking person. So many people today have stopped really thinking. We have moved from an age of critical thought to an age of sound bites. We have moved from, even in our education system, a system where we no longer critically debate and tear things apart and question. No, we're told by some higher power so that we can get a right answer, a, a, an A, or, or we get the, the approval of a body of thought that may or not, not, may not be true, may not even be biblical, may not even be godly. But we're, we're told that, hey, no longer are you to think critically. You are just to be motivated by whatever the processes, the protocols. And, and, and that's kind of what's happened in medicine. You know, doctors that think outside the box are shamed, they're shunned. Because, you know, if a doctor raises his hands and says, hey, I'm getting some success with ivermectin or with... Uh, a, 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 a cure. No, 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 no. We must silence that voice because vaccines is what the, the, the protocol says. And we're going to put pro, a protocol of vaccines on everybody in the whole world because this is what we say. And, and don't doubt us. Don't, don't question us. And don't, oh, see, wisdom says, wait, wait, wait. Can we slow down and debate? Why would we put a billion vaccines or a hundred billion vaccines or, or, or seven billion vaccines out there when there seem to be natural immunities that can be built through going through this process. And that debate, unfortunately, is silenced. And those of us that even question are deemed to be some kind of fanatic or we're a conspiracy theorist. And, we're, and, that, and that, that's not true. The truth is that we just think more critically and would like to ask more questions. And 
think that there's room for greater wisdom in debate and in knowledge and in understanding. Proverbs 4 says it this way. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Daniel uh, goes on. And, uh, you know, let me just close out what he, he, he said. Because uh, before we go into the book of Revelation, I think this is significant. It says, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that makes desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he that waits, and cometh to 3,530 days. But Daniel, go your way till the end be. For you shall rest, that means you'll die, but you will stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Daniel never saw these seals unfolded. But, he, but God told him, he says, you'll be one of those that rest. But he says, you will see these days, and they will unfold. So, with that said, again, we understand that the seals cannot be opened, nor the information in them understood, until the time that is determined by the one who is able to open the seals. And only when he does so, which is Jesus, will we be able to see. But there is a time when this event does transpire in the earth, and God, God himself does not want you and I to be ignorant of that time or what is happening. So, with that in mind, I want us to open our Bibles, and I want to look at Revelation chapter 6. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8, and then I want to dissect and begin this study. There's no way that I can exhaustively cover this study. There's no way that we're going to do anything more than do a cursory look at it and hopefully provoke you to begin to question, debate, study, and check your own heart. Are you walking in the light? Are we going to live in the light? And are we prepared for what's about to come? Revelation 6, verses 1 through 8. And I saw the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him had a bow. And a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. The power was given to him that sat upon it to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, three measures of barley for a penny, and see that you hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed him. And the power was given to him over a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. Let's look at that first verse. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. Here's what I want to point out. 
I want to point out that when the first seal is opened, prophetically speaking, we're supposed to come and see. Now with that in mind, what are we seeing? What are we coming to see and what are we seeing? Revelation 6.2 goes on, it says, And I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. Now, traditionally, Bible scholars have attributed the white horse to the, anti to the Antichrist. And they've said, and we've kind of been taught, that this Antichrist uses the deceptive peace, 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 uh, to deceive and conquer the world. Scholars came to this assessment thinking that because the rider doesn't have arrows, it's just a bow, he would use a misleading piece and this idea of all of our uh, United Nations trucks are white, they have blue helmets and you know, so this idea of peace coming in the form of white vehicles and peace flags, white flags and, 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 and you know, white depicts this idea of peace. And that we somehow, this writer would use a kind of a misleading piece as a weapon with which he would deceive and conquer the world. Now, I don't think we're far off from that. But the problem with this theory is that it requires us to violate a principle of Scripture. And that is the inability of human beings to go beyond the limits of their flesh. You see, because the Antichrist is a human, and humans are not... Uh, permitted to go beyond their natural flesh boundaries. In other words, a human can't be a horse. It would be impossible for this entity or this person to be a spiritual horse from heaven's throne room. It is also not possible for a human to ride alongside the grim reaper and approach earth from another dimension. So this has to be kind of a spiritual entity. If we're going to understand the scenario, we must conclude that the four horsemen of the apocalypse cannot be human. They are all of the same ilk. And therefore, it would be very difficult for us to claim that, with any kind of logical objectivity, that three of the horsemen are spirits, but that the, uh, one of them is a human. So, uh, I, th I think it's kind of amazing to me that the deception might even be a little bit more subtle. And uh, as we look at what's going on today in the world, uh, again, I, I want to postulate a position. I want to talk about what this might be. Uh, but it, in some ways, it looks to me like this white horse is kind of the Trojan horse. It is kind of the, the image of peace. It's the image that looks good. Uh, like so many of our white-robed medical professionals who really are doing an amazing job helping and doing the very best they can. All their white PPE and all the, all the stuff that they're trying to do, uh, these professionals, uh, what they're doing to, uh, and what they're told to do to help with this coronavirus and now to move on from treating the virus to now administering these vaccines. But they may in fact be involved in an agenda that has much deeper and graver ramifications, especially if there's a biblical nature to it, if this is the outpouring of some kind of a opening prophetically. Now, <laughs> Tough I know it's a tough topic, but let's think about it. Although it is true that the Bible is not entirely clear about who the horsemen are, we do get a glimpse of them in the book of Zechariah. So let, let's, let's take one more step back into the Old Testament, because this is the only other time we see these four horsemen. In Zechariah 1, verses 8 through 10, it says, I saw by night, and behold, a man riding on a red horse, 
and it stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow. And behind him were horses, red, sorrel, and white. Then I said, my Lord, what are these? Now listen. So the angel who talked with me said, I will show you what they are. Well, I'll tell you what, it's so great for us to be able to look into the scriptures and see what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, these are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. Now, based on the description in these passages, the horsemen are watchers. They're spiritual entities. They're destroyers that God sends during the time of the tribulation to judge and to punish the earth. Amazingly, I believe that this idea is actually supported in the original Greek text that we see here in the book of Revelation. This is where we must be careful. But often when we study the scripture, we must go to the original language and we incorporate studying the verse from the etymology and the actual meanings from the original texts. Now this can be dangerous in some ways because I'm not a Greek scholar. But on the other hand, Greek is a very expressive language and can very easily depict something that we lack in our English language and maybe even give us a glimpse at what the author, what the writer, what the, uh, the, the prophetic word is trying to tell us. The tools that we use to derive definitions and to get glimpses from the original Greek come from such steady aids like the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance or the original Greek translation from Textus Receptus or other Greek lexicons and things like this. So if you compare these notes through these different study helps, they usually come up with a very clear description. As we look at this verse, I think it's significant that the original Greek, what the, what the original Greek word depicts. These words are amazing. The first word I looked at was the word bow. And uh, the word bow in the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance is indexed as G5115. You can look it up and look for yourself. I, I think we should study it for ourselves. But the word is an amazing word. It's the word toxon. T-O-X-O-N. Toxon. It has a Greek root. Although the definition from Strong's, uh, the, uh, the, the Strong's Concordance is limited to the word bow, this is where we can dig a little bit deeper, using these other cross-references to assist us in our understanding. When you do a word etymology on the word toxin, the word toxin is defined as a poison into which an arrow is dipped, or an arrow dipped into poison. Over time, uh, this was a Greek practice. The Greeks were known to make sure of the deadliness of their weapons by dipping their arrows that they would shoot at their enemies in a poison so that even if they were only wounded, the poison itself would destroy their enemy. And this word toxin evolved into other words that we have in our English language, similar words that we get our word toxic from. And uh, so, as we read this passage of scripture, with this understanding, I think it brings quite an illumination. The first horseman of the apocalypse conquers, goes out conquering and conquers the world, says wearing a crown and poisoning the earth with arrows that are tipped 
by being dipped with a toxic mixture. Have we ever seen this before in the history of mankind? I don't know. The coronavirus was given its name due to the virus being covered with protein spikes that resemble crowns. Thus, scientists called what may have been predicted thousands of years ago, crowned virus or corona, the crown virus. My question, and I think our question is simple, is this a coincidence or is it prophetic in nature? The first horseman is depicted as wearing a crown and is sent to conquer the earth. In other words, the first horseman is a spirit entity that uses a tool to take control of the earth. The agency he uses either has something to do with or resembles a crown. Now, I don't think it's too far a stretch of the imagination to draw a correlation between the coronavirus and what this is prophesying. I don't believe it's a coincidence. You see, God was very specific when he inspired John with this prophecy. And John is describing what he's seeing without the understanding of all the technologies and the things that you and I have today in our advanced society. He's only able to describe it by the pictures and by the knowledge and the understanding he has, a crown. But he sees a horseman, it's a crown. He sees this, this, uh, this deadly force that's going to be used, it's going to destroy and conquer and take over with, for many. John goes further and he makes this description. He says, in his hand he's holding a bow and arrow, or by reason of our understanding we know there's an arrow that is toxic, dipped in poison. Again, I think the question that we have to contemplate is, is the vaccine syringe that we see today being used everywhere in the world something that could resemble an arrow? According to the prophetic vision, this syringe or this arrow does not have healthy medicine behind it. Instead, it indicates that this substance, in some ways, is very poisonous. It's a poisoner mixture. Could this substance be a vaccine that could kill large proportions of our population? See, and this is where I must pause, because today there has been a headlong rush to vaccinate the whole world. And now, more and more voices are coming out, questioning the origins of the uh, coronavirus? Is this a biological weapon? Is it something that was put together in a lab in China? Is there some sinister a, a plan between different groups, between different bodies that have agendas that are stated openly on their web pages, that are stated openly about population control and, and, and fertility controls? Uh, is this an agenda that is tied into a, an agenda that talks about the possibility of a global reset of currency, political anarchy, political more and more heavy-handed totalitarian and, and authoritarian governments being able to control people rather than people living in the liberties that Christ and God has made? Are, are, are these things a conspiracy or are they, and they can be, but more and more knowledge and information is coming out, even around the vaccines. Now there are 
very strong voices, very strong proponents that say that, wait a minute, these vaccines are not safe. These are tests. See, and, and we're all part of the test. Those of you that have taken the vaccine are part of the test. You are the test group. Those of us that have not taken the vaccine, those of us that have built up natural immunities by having the, the, the COVID are also part of the test. We are just a control group. And this test is being played out before our very, very eyes. But we do not have any idea what the ramifications might be. Now there are reports coming out talking about spiked proteins that are coming off of those that have been vaccinated. And that the spiked proteins themselves are causing all kinds of complications and problems in the health of people. These things should be debated. These things should be put into the public market. We are not reporting the deaths by vaccines. We are not reporting clearly and openly the complications by what is happening by these vaccines. And those of us that are on the ground are dealing with people all the time that are having reactions. And these things are not being reported. As a pastor, I'm dealing with a host of issues that are not being reported. We seem to only report the number of people that have the coronavirus and that die from it. Maybe some that are being healed and we keep these percentages, but we have narrowed this to where we're not talking about how many people have died of other severe complications like suicide, like domestic violence, like loss of job and income, like depression, our mental health workers, our social health workers, our pastors are overwhelmed at this time. But we're not dealing in a holistic approach. And we're poisoning ourselves, if not with a substance, but with the toxic environment that we're creating. And so I think it's important that we look and we see that what it means to conquer and be conquered. See, it doesn't mean that only, uh, not only the pandemic, but the poisonous vaccine remedy could be a part of the end time prophecy. It's a place now where current affairs and biblical understanding could be converging. You see, I think we're involved in an unprecedented approach to medicine where, in fact, untested, and I want to reiterate this point, all of the vaccines, all of them are now labeled experimental trials. Experimental trials. So where we have untested procedures being introduced to whole population groups without any recourse if there are any negative or fatal ramifications, I think that that's dangerous. I think it's worth debating. Coercion is being used. People are being told that if you don't get the vaccine, and oh, it's subtle, sometimes it's not direct, it's very subtle, you'll lose your job. There's a conquering that's taking place through fear and through media saturation. A saturation that silenced voices who are calling for less invasive or measured methods of treatment, making them seem uneducated or uncaring, which is not true. Voices who speak up concerning the side effects or resist mass vaccinations are being targeted. Here's my question. If any of what we are looking at is true, it means that this event could be the commencement of a biblical tribulation period. Could the tribulation period that we find in the book of Revelation begin with a destroyer spirit entity who conquers the world with a corona crown pandemic? 
Does this entity use as this initial problem and then through fear and deception and delusion, does he, does he lead the world into even greater bondage? You see, because this is biblical prophecy, we can see that the human population responds in accordance with what's happening. It's very hard because God knows the beginning from the end, and we can just see what's happening. We have often spoken of the way the enemy divides and he conquers human beings. Uh, even, even, even our own studies of scientific socialism they have, socialism have a name for it. They call it the dialectic. It simply means create a problem, evoke a response, and then create a solution. And in the process, remove personal freedoms and try to make everybody feel safe. Bigger government, bigger controls, and, and less personal freedoms. The horseman destroyer uh, not only brought the crown virus, we see this in the, in, the, in the scriptures, but he also provides the solution. What if the vaccination jab is not all that it's being touted to be? Why is it even being called an experimental vaccine? What if this vaccine is used to further a demonic operation that results in the genocide of mankind? You see, I find it very interesting that the first horseman uses the deception of problem, reaction, solution. And the solution being a jab that many are questioning whether it's safe or not, if in fact it is leading to a form of human genocide. This is confirmed by the next horseman, which is the red horseman. In Revelation 6 and verse 4 it says, And then I went out on another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. The red horse is the war horse. But again, we must realize that there are different kinds of war. And the taking of lives is not only limited to bullets in the battlefield. Verse 2 says, Power was given to the destroyer on the horse to take peace from the earth, that they should kill one another. You know, as I view the current situation, it seems that vaccination peer pressure could eventually contribute exponentially to the goal of the war horse. Uh, it is happening already. Citizens are being pressured to get the vaccine through coercion, job pressure, family pressure, the fear of loss of liberties. The reasons are endless, and the motivations are in violation of personal rights and freedoms in respect to the sanctity of human sovereignty, the human being. The cycle is being repeated across the world. This isn't just some isolation. People are convincing their family members and friends to get the vaccine. But we do not have any idea what the end result is going to be. And now there are alarming reports concerning the side effects and direct effects of the vaccination process. But what if the result is that we will be killing one another? Now this is not an easy message to contemplate. But if we don't look, we won't see. So what can we do? We can go on to the next horseman, but I think that you can begin to see. One of the things that happens is if there is a mass death toll, you find out that there comes scarcity in the earth. And one of the horsemen is uh, scarcity. There becomes less. What, what happens if thousands or hundreds of thousands or even millions of people die? What happens? Think of who those people are. Maybe there are frontline workers that in all good faith got vaccinated, but maybe, maybe this thing turned out to be something we didn't expect it to be. What if it's the 
older age people, the people that are holding together some of our very industries that we rely on, people that have the knowledge, the wisdom and the understanding? What if our supply lines begin to break down? What happens if there is scarcity? What, what does that do? I, I think that the knock-on effect is very logical through the scriptures. Then it goes on to say that there's a point in time where one-fourth of the world's population, one-fourth, is decimated. This isn't me speaking. Don't get mad at the messenger. This is biblical prophecy. Now, one-fourth, let's just say two billion people, die. What would cause that? How, what would be the, we don't know. And I'm, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying, hey, could this be? Could, is this something worth debating? We're running pretty fast, pretty headlong, and we're doing something that's never been done in the history of the world. We are attempting to vaccinate the whole world. Are we setting ourselves up for something that we don't know what is going to really happen? So what can we do? Well, I don't want to be the prophet of doom and gloom. I want to say, hey, look, I want to look at prophecy and say, well, what can we do? She says, God's people, we must raise the odds of survival for ourselves and for our families. To do this, we must understand the chain of events that might be coming. We must become familiar with Jesus. We must draw closer to him. We have to spend time in his word, in the word of God, so that we can learn to hear his voice and that we can be guided through this quagmire that lies before us. We must build ourselves up in our most holy faith. We must pray in the Holy Spirit. And we must study and lay hold of the promises that were found in the Word of God. I'm afraid that there are many people who have been made so numb by Hollywood. The stories that have been told to us for decades. Pictures of contagions. Even movies called Contagion and Plagues and Zombie Apocalypses. And the, the virus and biohazard warfare that's being foisted on the world. That somehow we just think, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all been prophesied to us and I guess this is part of it. Unfortunately, these are prophetic voices that are manifesting in our earth today. I think it's time to prepare ourselves with mental strength because if these events arrive in any proportion that Hollywood or the Bible indicates, we're going to see people perishing in massive numbers. I'm not sure we're prepared for what could transpire, but we must prepare to navigate through the images and even Hollywood movies are not able to mimic. We will require the strength of God and a deep-seated love for one another if we're going to survive. The good news for those who can endure is that Jesus is coming soon. And he will rescue us out of this mess. I know that one of the passages in the Bible there at the end says that there would be crying out from under the altar of the saints that were slain and were killed and were martyred. And unfortunately, I believe that that's probably something that we are going to be also maybe facing. Read through those scriptures. I'm not afraid to die. I want you to know that. And I don't think any of us should be. You know, uh, in the daily reading this week, I saw the story of Herod and Herod wanted to please the Jews. So what he did was he grabbed James and he had him slain by the sword. Then the Jews liked it so much that he went out and found Peter and threw him in prison. And uh, he thought, hey, this is a good deal. I'm going to get a lot of popularity with the, the Jewish people, the people that I'm ruling. And it was a political move. 
And so eventually what happened was uh, the church prayed. and We see God intervene. I think that we have to understand that God does want to intervene in our lives. God is intervening. So don't lose heart. Don't, don't, don't let this be a word of discouragement. Make it a source of debate. Make it a source of study. Make it a source of discussion. More importantly, let's make it a, a real source of prayer. A real source of prayer. So, the good news. <laughs> we do preach the good news, by the way. The good news for those that can endure is that Jesus is coming soon. He will rescue out of us, us out of this mess. And he is our only hope, my friends. So let's begin to seek him. Let's begin to seek our real friendships. We're going to need each other. And uh, the church will come together. My hope for you is, as I close in prayer, that your hearts will be stirred. Stirred to a noble theme. That will help one another. And, and by the way, anyone who's taken a vaccine, there, there's no vilification. We, we'll get through this together. Those of you that uh, don't take the vaccine, there's no vilification. We're, we're, not out, we're not against any of this. What we're here to say is that we don't know. We, we, we're seeing things unfold. We've never seen this before. So rather than judge and, 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 and condemn one another, let's love each other. Let's let the love of Christ be shed abroad in our hearts and let's help each other through. I believe there are solutions. I believe we do need to slow down. I do believe we need to have open debate, good conversations, and stop vilifying each other. Father, I pray for those that have listened to my voice today. My desire is to be a voice that would bring forth truth, but also hope. So Jesus, I'm asking today that you would enlighten us, that you would help us, that, Father, you would remove this curse from us. Father, it's never too late for your mighty hand to work on our behalf. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that you would help us to turn from our prideful and sometimes wicked and sinful ways. We would really turn with our whole hearts to seeking a greater wisdom, a wisdom from above. Jesus, would you be that wisdom for us? Would you send your Holy Spirit? Would you guide us and would you direct us? Would you help us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If for some reason today this message is speaking to you or you would like to carry on debate, we have cell groups. On the screen right now there are some phone numbers. There are people there that can help you find help, find fellowship. Have discussions. I think it's healthy for us not to run from each other, but to run towards each other. Uh, we need each other in this time. Turn to that number. Get help from a pastor, a friend, uh, someone there that can help and guide you. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that you were blessed and that God will continue to transform your life in this season. If you have a testimony, or need prayer and counseling, please send a WhatsApp or a call me to plus 263-784-303900 or plus 263-717-459999. We want to hear from you and we're here for you and are ready to listen to you, to pray for you and to celebrate with you. So thank you. We love you and stay safe.